Well, today um, I was planning on launching a brand new series. I, I was planning on stepping into a series that I'm going to call Jesus is for Everyone, which is going to be an exploration of some of the scripture of, of Luke, unpacking some of Luke, not, not all of it in its entirety. We would need months and months and months and months to kind of just walk through that. But we were going to be going into the Jesus is for Everyone and the plan was to kick off that sermon today, to move into what, uh, what God had been laying on my heart and preparing. Uh, and to be fair, it's something that God had kind of laid on my heart a while ago. But then there were certain things that as life was happening, he was really saying, hey, no, you need to go down this route, this path. And so we've done that. And we've, we've done an, uh, what I felt was, it was God really poignantly speaking to us through uh, Romans 12, uh, 12 our, <coughs> excuse me, our verse for the year. And we've unpacked a bit of a series in that, reminding ourselves, being reminded by God and continuing to remind ourselves that we need to keep calm and carry on. But as I was preparing for today, there's been a big news break article in the Christian world that led me to a season of mourning, of anger, um, of questioning what the heck is going on. Let me explain. There's a gentleman by the name of Ravi Zacharias. Uh, he passed away sometime last year. And for the last 40 or so years, he has been known as one of the world's leading apologists. He's been one of the guys who's been able to travel the world over, lifting up the name of Jesus, really explaining to people, both Christian and non-Christian alike, the, the foundations of our Belief. He's been one of those people who's been able to clearly speak and communicate deep, deep truths and explain them in ways that people who had questions could understand. He would grab those tensions that we see in Scripture and unpack them in such a way that people would come to faith through what he was sharing. They would have an understanding. They would step into deep relationship with Jesus. But sadly, this week there was news that has been released that, that Ravi was, um, unfortunately, had, had a darker side to his own life. He was struggling with his own sins, that of sexual sin, and that led him to, difficult to say, abusing others around him. It led him to abuse his power in ways that nobody should ever abuse their power. He took advantage of people, of women in particular. And, and one of the more difficult things, well, it's all very difficult, but one of the things that stands out to me is that there was an accusation two years ago, and it was denied and it was dismissed. But no real investigation was done until after. And now, truth has come out that there are many who have been hurt by him. And I've really been struggling with this for the last couple of days because the reality is, is that Ravi Zacharias is one of those, he's even been nicknamed a, a, a modern day hero of the faith in past. He's a, he's a guy who I've read a lot on, read a lot of his books. But it got me to thinking and got me really to, at this point of crying out, of entering into deep prayer with God and conversation and having to deal with those kind of emotions of, of sadness, of, of anger, of, of all sorts of things. Because this is not a new story 
of, 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 of a Christian leader, of people who give their lives to Jesus, who are called to lead and somehow fall really massively. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not always falling in that, that of, of sexual abuse. And it hurts probably even more that he, he abused other people. But the reality is that we see the fall of Christian leaders of all sorts. They fall into temptations where they step out on their partners and they do have affairs. They fall into temptations where they're found out to be stealing from their ministries, embezzling money. They fall from their positions where they are sometimes finding life so difficult, taking on stresses so terribly that they take their own lives. And this is not just a problem in the big mega western churches. This is something that we see that has happened even in our surrounding areas where even small churches have leaders who sometimes fall really badly short, fall into temptation, do things that they're not meant to. And the church historically, unfortunately, has those situations. We don't have to look far into church history to see. And so with me praying and battling with some of this stuff, I've been asking questions of God of why, Lord? How, Lord? Why has this happened? How did you allow this to happen? What is going on? And how do I reconcile these things with my faith, with your word? What do I do, Lord? And, and I want to pause real quick. And, and I feel that it's necessary to maybe say and, and, and start very clearly by saying that my prayers and my heart is going out to those who have suffered such abuse, whether it be from the recent findings or otherwise. There is no excuse for abuse of any sort, especially not within the church, especially not from those who love Jesus. And I say that emphatically and so powerfully right now. So please hear, please hear that if you're watching this and you are struggling or suffering abuse in any way, shape, or form, there is help available. Please reach out. Please, whether it be to us or to the authorities, do not suffer in silence. Please do not. And I know it's difficult. I've, I've never been in that situation. I know it's not as simple as just saying, hey, walk on out. But, but please, if you are watching this and you or someone you know is in a position, please do make moves, make calls, reach out in some way, shape, or form. But, I read these stories over and over again of these, again, great Christian leaders. Some of them described as modern-day heroes of the faith. And I find myself going, Lord, how? How? Why? And then I'm led to Scripture. And so we're going to turn to our first reading today, which is 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. And it says this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now 
She was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. And the thing is that I read that in Scripture, and and David is one of the great heroes of the faith. But the story doesn't end there with Bathsheba, because, see, David's fall doesn't just stop there. He then continues on, and he he actually calls for Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, and says, hey, come on back, and he kind of welcomes him in, and and he essentially is trying to have him go and sleep with his wife, Bathsheba. But Uriah decides not to. He says he's going to stand firm, stand in solidarity with his brothers who are out in the field fighting, and he says, I will not just go and be with my wife because my friends, my colleagues, they are still out there. And so then he goes and returns, and David has him killed. David has him killed. And, and, and this is King David, right? Like the, the same David that was chosen as a little shepherd boy, the, that, that was in the middle of the field, the, the, the same David who was anointed to be the king, the same David who took down Goliath, the same David who we love and adore and who's described as a man after God's own heart. That same David falls, and he falls hard. And it, and it reminds us that we all fall short, regardless of who we are and what we've done. We all fall short. And I think I'm reminded of that ever so clearly this week. Now please hear me Clearly, this is not me justifying any behaviors of anyone, especially not of those who have stepped into abusing others. This is not justification for that. Not mine, not justifying me and my falling, or yours, or Ravi's, or anybody's. But we see clearly in Scripture, though, that we fall short. We see clearly in Scripture that there's no name, bar one, but we'll get to that a little bit later. There's no name in Scripture that doesn't fall short. And if there's no name in Scripture other than the one of Jesus, but we'll talk about that later. If there's no name in Scripture that doesn't fall short, then who am I to think that I won't fall short? Who are you to think that you won't fall short? Who are we to think that we will not? And so I'm reminded of how we are broken people who even if we are described as being after God's own heart and loving him with all that we are, even if we are anointed to do great things, we still can and will probably fall short. And that's a, that's a painful realization. And we see it through Scripture. We see it through Samuel falling and Samson falling and Moses falling. I mean, even the disciples fall short. I mean, don't get me wrong. They don't fall short in the, the same way David did. But, but some of them deny Jesus. That's a big falling short, isn't it? We all fall short. And it hurts and it's painful. Now, don't get me wrong. Some fall farther than others. Some of us have more to work on. But we all fall short. However, we don't stop there. We don't stay there. Because there is never any excuse to step away from the righteousness that we're called to live in. Throughout all of Scripture, we can see that actually, even though we fall short, even though people in Scripture fall short, we see that we are called to seek after Jesus. We see that we are called to be filled by God's Holy Spirit, to allow His Spirit to change us and transform us, to become more holy day by day, moment by moment. There is never an excuse 
to stop seeking more of God, to allow more of his spirit to lead us into holiness, to lead us into the righteousness that we're called to live in. And yes, I will not reach the full measure of righteousness, the full stature of Jesus on this side. I know that. You know that. And you're probably thinking, well, Adrian, you definitely won't reach it. But hey, neither will you. None of us will reach the full measure of Christ because we aren't him. And we're being made more into the image of Christ every day. But again, just because I'm not going to reach it doesn't mean I don't need to be pushing for it. Doesn't mean I don't need to be allowing God to work in me to get me closer and closer. Doesn't mean that because I won't reach righteousness, that's an excuse for me to step away from righteousness. Yo, we have a responsibility of, as followers of Jesus. And this is a heavy morning today. And I, I apologize for that, but I hope and pray you're hearing the heart behind it. I hope and you pray you're hearing what God has placed on my heart for all of us. It's by his spirit that we are cleansed and made new and we need to allow for more of that. And so we find ourselves in this strange tension. We find ourselves in this place where where we know and we see and we feel and we see the experience of sin in our lives and in, in the lives of those around us. We experience the failings of our own humanity. I mean, again, all you have to do is turn on the news and and, and just see how broken the world is. The division, the arguing, the wars, the the disgusting name-calling, the disgusting stories of abuse. I mean, it is a broken world, y'all. But then we also live with the reality of of who our God is and what he's done and what he's doing in us and who he is pointing us to in all aspects of every day. And again, we... We read different articles of, of Christians who, who have felt that they've had no other choice but, but to take their own lives. And, and when I read of those who've committed adultery and, and, and all these other situations, I, who've abused their powers of leaders, I'm hurt and I'm worried. And, and I often jump to the place of condemnation. I, I often jump to the place of condemning them. And, and I know that clearly that is not my role. Again, through scripture, I know that that is not my role. But after I have that moment of, of, of almost immediate gut reaction, of condemning, of, jump, of judging, of jumping down someone's throat, of saying, how dare they? I'm then reminded of, of David. And, and again, don't mishear me. David's situation is not everyone's. Because some people, their sin and their fault is acting in pure evil. Abuse of others is not accepted. But sometimes when we fall short, others will be hurt and others will, yes, be affected but sometimes I look at David and I say, hey, you know what? He, he committed adultery. He had a guy killed. And yet, God still loved him. And so I'm not going to stand here and defend that of Ravi or, or I'm not going to stand here and, and, and tell you that and get, or condemn him either. I'm not standing in either position because that is not my role or any other name, him or otherwise. If anything, I'm praying for the families massively affected by this. But I'm also asking God. I'm asking God that he would be the righteous, awesome judge that he is. And that he would know all of our hearts so well that, hey, I'm lifting it to him. And when I'm taken back to David, though, I'm reminded that we need to remember that God knows our hearts. And that we will stand before him in judgment. You know what, when, when, when David ended his, his days on this earth, he's, he's, he stands, he stood before our God. 
And when I end my time on this earth, I'll stand before our God and he will bring the judgment, whatever that is. And I will stand, I'll be responsible for every action, every thought, everything in me. And he knows our hearts. He knows your heart. He knows mine. And there's so much that I don't understand or get. And there's so much that I struggle with. But God knows our hearts. And again, ultimately, we will, we will stand before him. All the things that we've said, the good and the bad. All the things that we've done, the good and the bad. And we have opportunity as we, as we move into relationship with Jesus, we have opportunity to repent. We have opportunity to step away from the things that are not of him and to step into righteousness. We have that. God grants us that repeatedly over and over and over because he is an awesome God, a God of grace, a God of love, a God of mercy. He knows our hearts, but we need to be stepping into, there's no excuse to not be stepping closer into the, into the righteousness the holiness that God has for us. That does bring me some reassurance and that does bring me some comfort, but I can't let my brain stop there because it wants to just kind of go, boom, I'm done. But the, the, the reality is I have to ask questions, well, why? Why did we get to this position? Why are these things happening so often? Why is it that, that literally it isn't a month or two that passes that I don't hear of some crazy big celebrity Christian pastor that has fallen in some way, shape, or form? And sometimes it's not even in the, we've talked about adultery, we've talked about other things, but sometimes it's just a simple abuse of power. There have been historical, even in the last 10 years of, of ministers who've been so egocentric, so power-led, that they've actually not done anything in, in, in the sexual manner, but they've abused their power. They've run their, their churches with such authority that it has caused issue. And they've been dismissed from those positions. And we've seen some of them come back as they've see, sought God, as they've sought uh, guidance and wisdom. But why is it that these things keep on happening? Why is it that it happens in not just in the big churches, but in the small churches? We hear stories left, right, and center. And unfortunately, some of us watching this may know firsthand of some situations where we've been in churches where these things have happened. Why? Why are we seeing the fall from grace, as people often call it, so often? Is it new? Has it always been there? Has it always been this way? What part do we have to play in it? And then when I turn to prayer, I'm reminded of some scripture. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of, of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. One more time, therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and that every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That every knee would bow, that he, that Jesus, is the name above every 
other name. There is so much there. But what stands out mightily to me is simply that, that we need to stop lifting up the names above other names, above the name of Jesus. How often are we lifting up the names of other people above the name of Jesus? And you might be thinking, well, I don't do that. I'd never do that. But I I bet you that if you were to really take a step back and and look at your relationship with others and, and how you interact, we all do it to some extent. Some more often than not. We have created in this world a a sense of Christian celebrity. Where we've lifted people up onto pedestals. And the thing is that we might argue, oh no, I'm not lifting them above Jesus. I'm still lifting Jesus above, but we're lifting them so high that they are possibly, with people surrounded around them, feeling a a, a higher Messiah-like complex. How often are we giving people the status And the the role in our lives that only Jesus should have. How often is that name elevated? How often are we praising people above that of praising God? And that is a big and heavy question. But I firmly believe that one of the reasons that these things are happening around us is because we as followers of Christ are starting to lift up other people other than him. Are lifting up the wrong name above others. And that is a bold statement to make. And you may find that that irks you a bit. And I'm sorry if it does, but I find it it irks me a bit as well. Because I think if I look at our lives around, we do that. I don't think we ever do it intentionally, per se. We don't ever go out and say, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to elevate this guy above the name of Jesus. Of course we don't do that. But the reality is, is we do do it. And it's never done immediately, but it starts with simply praising someone's work. Praising their sermons. Praising their knowledge. Praising their wisdom. And then the next thing we know that we're, we're speaking of them in ways that as, as almost it seems as if they're taking the place above ourselves. Oh, well, uh, they're greater than I am already. This person is so great that, 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 that they, they are above me. And then from there, it's just a small step to place them above that of Jesus. Well, oh, Jesus can only speak through them. I'll only hear Jesus through them. And so, hey, actually, are you listening to Jesus or are you listening to this person? And scripture clearly teaches that the name of Jesus is above every name, yet we don't necessarily live that out. I mean, it's the name above Rabbi Zacharias's, it's above my name, it's above your name, it's above that of of, of Spurgeon's, of, of, of Bunyan, it's above Calvin, it's above Luther. Like, we elevate these people above the status that they should be. And please don't mishear, hey, you know what, Bunyan and Calvin and all these, they have a place to play in history, but... Are we elevating their name above the name of Jesus? Are we holding on to their teachings and what they've said above to what Jesus said? Are we worshiping them or Jesus? And I've had conversations with people. And I've had them, different answers, I guess, from from other people in the room. But but I've, I've seen them oftentimes refer to someone else, oh, they're, they're such a man of God, such a woman of God. And I've, I've then said, I've heard them people say, hey, I want, I want to be like them. I, I wish I could preach like that person. I wish I could pray like that person. But you know what I've rarely ever heard anybody say? I wish I could preach like Jesus. I wish I could pray like Jesus. 
Because let's, let's be honest, when we turn to Scripture, the ultimate preacher is Jesus. The ultimate prayer is Jesus. The one that we should be striving to become like and allowing God by His Spirit to transform us into is Jesus. He is the name that we should be elevating. Yet somehow, we, and I'm one to blame. Hey, you know what? That was a great sermon. I wish I could speak like he does. I wish I could pray like she does. Man, the prayer life that she has is amazing. And the reality is that's what people were saying about people like Ravi Zacharias, like, like Calvin and Spurgeon and all these others. They were elevating their name above the name of Jesus and not even doing it on purpose. And I wonder if we can truly, truly focus our eyes on Jesus and strip it back and say, you know what? It's amazing how they pray. And I love the prayer life that they have, but I want to keep on going deeper with Jesus. I want to pray like Jesus prays. I want to live like Jesus lives. I want to preach like Jesus preached. Because that's elevating his name above every other name. And again, this is something that's been going on for for years. I think we're experiencing it more now in today's day and age because of that of social media, because we see it more. It can go global a bit more. All I have to do is click a couple of, of touch screens and I can see speakers and I can hear people and I can join that prayer and I can... But it's, it's been an issue for years. It was prior to the technological movement. It was prior to social media. What name are we elevating above that of Jesus? That's a big question. But is he the one that we're elevating? Is he the one that we're looking to for everything? I mean, I've had people say to me, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let them answer for me because they know the Bible better. Oh, I really wish. And the, and the thing is, I've heard people even say it of me sometimes in a really encouraging manner. Oh, I wish I could preach like you sometimes. And some of you guys are thinking, what? You want to preach like Adrian? I know different, different horses for different courses. I say whatever it may be. I get that. But sometimes we're comparing ourselves to other human people, but we're called to be living a life seeking and following that of Jesus and elevating the name of Jesus. What name are you elevating above every other name? Who do you want to pray like? Who do you want to preach like? Who do you want to live like? Who is the most amazing man of God you know? If that name out of your mouth is not Jesus, then we've got some work to do, myself included. And please don't mishear me. That's not me saying that we can't learn or hear from other people what God is saying in and through them. Of course not. I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't believe I was called to share. I wouldn't be preaching. I wouldn't be an evangelist if I didn't think that God had a plan and a purpose for my life to, to share and impact on the lives of others. But it's never about me. It's all glory to God. It's about Jesus. And oftentimes when someone gives a compliment of some shape, I get a bit nervous about it. My immediate words are usually going to be, if I get them out, praise God and thank you. And some people hear that as a flippant comment, but I mean it seriously. Any encouragement I receive for anything that I ever do, and I get a lot of stuff wrong, guys, don't get me wrong, but it's about praising God in that moment because if, if, if you heard a message, if you saw Jesus, if you experienced him, if you heard from him, it's all glory to God. 
And I need to elevate his name above mine every step of the way. It's about him, not me. So let me ask you the question. Does, 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 does your life, does our life reflect that the name of Jesus is above every other name? Does our life reflect that the name of Jesus is above every other name? And this is an age-old problem. I get that. Like, this is not something that we've just stumbled upon now. This is not something that just kind of, whoops, there it is. But I firmly believe that if we were lifting up the name of Jesus above all else, if we were lifting the name of Jesus above those in positions of power, well, we would be continually reminded that their name is below that of Jesus. And they would be reminded that their name is below that of Jesus. And they would be reminded that they're not being worshipped or anything like that. And I think their actions would be different. Don't get me wrong, the enemy is still out to lie, steal, and destroy, and to deceive all those around. So yes, there will be those who fall to the enemy at times as well, and I get that. But I wonder how much impact we can have on those if we just kept on elevating Jesus above any other name. And it's hard. The world and the culture that we live in is, it speaks into that celebrity culture. And we fall to this accidentally, even in small rural churches, I mean, I've been in church meetings in, in, in this church and other churches where decisions are being made and no one will vote until they have the decision of someone else in the room. And, and once that person goes in a direction, oh, that's what we're, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. In one sense, you're elevating that person over Jesus because what, what if the decision that they were making was without listening to Jesus? The person we want to follow is Jesus. The decisions we want to make are based on Jesus. The, the lives that we want to live, the things we want to speak, the ways we want to love are based on Jesus. You know that typical Sunday school answer, Jesus is always right? In this case, absolutely. Jesus is always right. Hey, who do you want to pray like? Jesus. Who do you want to live like? Jesus. Who do you want to follow? Jesus. Whose name is above all other names? Jesus. In this case, that's always the right answer. And again, in that passage in Philippians, we see that we're called to have the mindset of Christ and, 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 and we see who Christ is. We see how he is literally, he himself, Jesus himself, considered equality with God something to be, not, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, now don't get me wrong, I don't have equality with God, right? But, but I know and I read these stories and I know that actually there are some people that are raising their status and that they use and misuse who they are in Christ and what God is doing in them. They misuse that for their own glory, for their own gain. They buy into that lie. But then we also see that we're, we're called to become humble. We know that we're going to fall short. We know this. But the aim is to be like Christ, to have the mind of Christ, to be able to humble ourselves, to become obedient to God. Ultimately, to be willing to die for God. The direction is to follow him, to be like Christ. So we see that our lives are supposed to be showing us bowing at the name of Jesus. So are you bowing at the name of Jesus? If people were to look to you, can they see you bowing 
When the name of Jesus is spoken, when the name of Jesus is lifted up, when are, are you bowing a knee? Are you, are you dropping down? Or is it only on your terms? Don't let anything stop you from elevating Jesus above all else. Because some of you guys are going to be sat here going, you know what, I'm not doing this. I've got to get to elevating Jesus above. I've got to get to, and you know what, there's a journey and there's, hey, we're going to keep on praying. And you, can, you ask God to by his spirit guide you and he will. And you welcome him and you listen and you seek him above all else. Some of you guys will be watching this going, you know what, Adrian, I'm there. I'm already elevating him above. I'm, I'm, he, he's already my number one. I'm already bowing before him. What else do you want from me? And if that's you, you know what, thank you. Keep going and then pray. Pray and pray and pray. Don't let anything stop you from elevating Jesus above all else. Pray for those in positions where they may be being lifted up instead of the name of Jesus. Pray for those around you, for friends and for family, that they not get lost and start elevating others. Pray for yourself that you not get lost and start elevating other names. And pray for others to bow at the name of Jesus. Pray that our lives would be his, that our words, our actions, our every day would reflect that we bow before the king of kings, the king above all other kings, the name above all other names. Pray, 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 and do. As you listen, do, but pray. And then pray some more. This morning comes as a real conviction of what I believe God is saying to us. And perhaps it was just for me or one other watching. Perhaps the message to elevate Jesus above all else, some of us are already doing and so it's not for us. Maybe it's just a reminder. But it's happening far too often in our society, in our world, that other names are being elevated above Jesus. And it's happening too far in our society that because of that, people are falling. And we, we turn to judgment, we turn to condemnation, and we need to be reminded that God knows their hearts. It's not my place to judge. And yes, justice needs to be served, and we fight for justice. But there are different kinds of falling as well. I'm going to fall short. I am. I have, I'm sure. And I will again but I need to make sure that I keep on elevating the name of Jesus. I need to be sure that I'm praying to seek him and follow him. And you need to do the same for yourself and for me as I do it for you. Because we're called to do it as community. Called to do it as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I pray that our lives would be filled with him. And that actually we would live and elevate his name so that we would give, all his, give him all the glory, that our lives would be for his glory, that we would live to glorify him, to raise his name above all else, that we would give all that we have for his kingdom as he leads us, as he guides us. Because if we don't do that, then it doesn't matter what part of the scriptures we dive into. If we don't do that, it doesn't matter what, what we study, it doesn't matter what we know. If we're elevating other people's names, if we're elevating our own name, if we're elevating other people, full stop. What's the point? It's all about Jesus. For his is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much.
<laughs> Lord, you know our hearts. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be pure, clean, righteous hearts. Lord, I pray that if there are parts of our hearts that are dark, if there are parts of our hearts that are hardened, Lord, that you would chisel away, that you would shine your light, God, that we would truly be so truly in love with you, so truly following and committed to following you, Lord, that by your spirit, Lord, you would be cleansing us repeatedly. And Lord, I pray that the only name that we would lift up would be the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that if there are habits in our lives, if there are things in our lives that are elevating others above you or elevating others to your same level, God, that we would right now by your spirit be convicted that we would be able to change those things, God, that we would elevate no one else but you. Lord, I pray that our lives, not just our words, but our lives, the way we live it, the way we walk it, would reflect the truth and the reality that you are our king, that we worship you and you alone. And Lord, we pray that we would be a people that would showcase and share your love and your grace the way you do. And Lord, with that, we pray for those who have fallen. God, we pray for ourselves that we not fall. And if we have fallen, God, we pray for your grace. God, we pray for the community around us to help lift our eyes to you. God, that we would see you clearly and hear you clearly. And that by your spirit, you would uh, cleanse us as we repent, that you would forgive us, that we can continue to journey on with you. But we do pray for those who have fallen. God, we pray for those who have fallen so far. God, we pray that they would be able to turn, that they would be able to repent of their mistakes, that they would be able to see you and elevate your name above all. God, we pray for all those affected. Lord, we pray for the friends and the families of those affected by, by those who have fallen. And whatever their fall may have been, Lord, whatever it may look like, God, and Lord, there are so many ways that we can't even count. Lord, we just lift up all those affected to you, God, that by your spirit you would bring healing, you would bring peace, you would bring comfort, that you would remind them of the hope that there is in Jesus. And Lord, I pray for all of them as I do for us, that the name of Jesus would continue to be raised, that the name of Jesus would continue to be elevated above all else. Lord, we cry out for more of you, more of you and less of us. In Jesus' precious and awesome name we pray. Amen.